If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Oh, well, that's interesting. Hello? (laughs) Are we on the air? Hello? Are you recording? I am ruling, yes. I'm actually, you know... I take care of the important priorities before we just jump on a show. This is live radio? This is live radio. And that thing was potted up weird. Do you need me to go over there and take care of business? No, you screwed it up a lot last week. So you know what? It's my turn. <laughs> <laughs> we like to spread the blame around. Give equal opportunities to screw things up. Yes, we call him a fanny goal. Fanny goal. <laughs> oh, man, that was good stuff. <clears throat> hey everybody, welcome. It's a Tuesday afternoon, 402 is your start time. Eric France and AJ Salveson. Mountain time. <laughs> it's Tuesday mountain time. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you didn't catch that <laughs> when I did that. I'm so happy. Yeah. in the <laughs> we're in the other office getting ready. He's time to line some things up for later this week. He leaves a message. Hey, it's <laughs> uh it's Tuesday, September twenty fourth, mountain time. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how you didn't even blink until I told you. I know you did. I'm like, yeah, I just did. <laughs> Wait, you did what? <laughs> oh man, Tuesday. It is September 24th, Mountain Time. Uh, later on, Eric's gonna head out. He's gonna go to practice during the second hour. Uh, get some audio for us uh, and uh, find a little bit out, a little bit more about what's going on as the Aggies get ready for the Colorado State Rams. It's a revenge game for the Rams, to say the least. They are heartbroken and, and, and probably still pretty livid about how that game ended last year uh, in Colorado Springs at, on Canvas, or excuse me, at Canvas Stadium where the Aggies uh, escaped Colorado State with a win uh, via a call that Preston Williams has stepped out of bounds before coming back in and therefore uh, lost it down, and Utah State won the ball game. So Rams looking for revenge, 5.30 p.m. Saturday night. Get your tickets at utahstateaggies.com. Don't forget, pregame on our sister station on KVNU at 3.30, right? Two hours before. 3.30. We're hanging out at Locker 42 if you want to stop by. Al and Craig for the first hour. I'll be jumping on with Al in the second hour. That's awesome. But uh, stop by, get your Aggie gear, say hi, share with us a prediction you think might happen for the game. But yeah, starting uh, the the broadcast starts two hours before every game, and uh, great interviews and analysis that Al and Craig uh, put together. They always do a great job. Yeah, absolutely. And then after the game, don't forget you can call into KVNU, same station, same people, and share your thoughts, your opinions on what we hope to be a Nagy win. Uh, where you can, uh, I mean, again, you get great, great post game coverage from those guys, and uh, and, and find out. Uh, what uh, Eric and Alice and Craig's thoughts are. Ryan Bomey still joins the show, right? Yep. Uh, you can get his thoughts as well. And uh, as they uh, hopefully, again, like I said, have a win and we'll be. What's the record? It's not one and three. What is it now? It would be three and one. Is that correct? For uh, Utah State? Yeah, if they win this Saturday. If they win this Saturday, they'll be three and three one. Three and one going to LSU, who will be most likely, well, who will be undefeated because they play themselves for a bye week. They have the week off. God help us. Just don't let anybody die in Death Valley next week, please. Uh, by the way, uh, it has been announced as a scheduled time 
officially that is a 10 a.m. Mountain start time. That means it's 11 a.m. LSU time. It's a morning game for the Aggies, Eric. When's the last time the Aggies played a morning game at home or on the road? This is a really early kickoff. Um, so our our sister station, KVNU, they'll be doing their pregame coverage starting at 8 a.m. <laughs> so breakfast with the Aggies. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, it's an early kickoff, early kick time for Utah State on uh, Saturday, October 5th. Again, and that'll be on the SEC Network after. So you go listen to the pregame, turn on the radios, and after uh, you turn on the TV, get to the SEC Network and watch the game. After the game, again, same thing, same people, same number, same station. Go and uh, share your thoughts on what we hope to be one of the greatest upsets in Utah State football history. Eric, let me ask you, will this be the best team that LSU squad, will this be the best team that the Aggies have ever faced? We need to ask Al that question. Ooh, that's a really good question. They're going to be a top um, five team. They might even be a top three team by next week. It's conceivable. Um, it, in my knowledge, I think this would be the highest ranked team Utah State's played. Uh, Oregon, and when they came here, they with, were five or six or seven. They, they were, in the were top up, ten. They were up there. Um, that was interesting that that game was played in Logan, but um, boy, yeah, that's a really good question. But I mean, talent wise, I'd say talent wise, this is the best team that they've ever faced. This LSU team looks loaded. Very good offensively, very good defensively, but we'll talk a lot about them next week. Can't wait. You keep trying to get ahead of yourself. What do you when mean? you're talking like the, the players and to Coach Anderson, you're like, oh, okay, no, let's, let's talk about that LSU. was a bad question. I don't care about I'm Rams. sorry. Let's talk about I've Tigers. Already, I've already, I've already. Apologized. They're like trying to put you in your place, and here you are. You're still talking about wanting to gear up for LSU. God, I hate you. What you was know, the, I kind of wish. The, what was you walking into the office like a little twelve year old too, with your hands with your sleeves over your hands? I have long sleeves. <laughs> just stand right in front of me. You made it look like I got my hands cut I'm off. I'm just trying to find something to get us off that subject. I still feel bad about that. I just wish that we could get a response from a coach like reporters got from Northwestern's head coach this last week. Oh my gosh. I need to find that. I got to load, load that up. Where is that sucker? It was in the, this month's folder. Yep. Oh. Um, so Northwestern's off to kind of a rough start. And so he's talking about, you know, needing to make adjustments or whatever. And so somebody asked him if he feels confident in his game plan because that he puts together every week, because clearly it hasn't been working very well. (laughs) Uh, where is it at? Come on. Oh, there it is. Wait, there's one. There's two. All right, let me make sure I got this one. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Whoa, that's the heck. Are you sure you don't need me to come over there and uh, like trade places? Just shut it. Are you just yep it, Doris? When you say you, we need to execute and, and we need to get our players to, to play cleaner, does that mean that you're you're satisfied with the with the offensive game plan the way it is, and you guys just need to to execute that game plan better? Well, we just take ninety hours and play we in golf all week. I mean, yeah, I mean, I. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I, I go into every game plan expecting it to work, to be quite honest with you. I, I understand there's 40,000 experts on Twitter that can call plays for me, so 
My email address is hashtag I don't care. Okay, so shoot that out. We got to be better, uh, and we're going to work to be better. So anybody that's negative, I respect it, and I don't care. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> hashtag I don't care. You know, I remember when I asked Matt Wells last year uh, about the special teams because they didn't have a special teams coordinator. I was wondering how it was going or who was in charge of what, and he just went off on me. And I was like, well, I just – I looked like at Doug Hoffman. I was like – What's going on here? And Doug just sat there and stared at me like, shame on me for something I didn't even do wrong. And then a few days later, he saw me and he, he apologized. He's like, stick out your hand. What? Just shake my hand. Why? Shake my hand. Okay, fine. What, what are we shaking hands for? I'm sorry about Monday. I <laughs> thought you would ask me a question, but it wasn't you. It was somebody else. <laughs> Oh, that's great. If you missed that over the weekend. Oh, man. Just there, there's so much one. good stuff in there. You know, you know, we just spend 90 hours in the week playing Wii and golf, you know. <laughs> I, I understand there's 40,000 experts on Twitter that can call plays for me. So my email <laughs> address is hashtag I don't care. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, man. There's so many drops we got to get done, dude. We are so behind on that. Uh, <laughs> uh, speaking of which, uh, speaking of uh, good sound bites, uh, the Eagles fell in a heartbreaking game because Aguilar missed a catch. Well, not just one, yeah, but multiple. But one of them was probably gonna be the game-winning catch for a touchdown. And later that night, there's babies, you know, falling but, out the window or whatever. Yeah, there's of a, a fire. fire. And so this, Good Samaritans rushing in, helping people. And one Samaritan has great hands, and he made the catch. The news went and interviewed him about it, and this was his witnessing story. I seen a guy hanging out the window, you know, screaming that his kids was in there and things like that. So I, I ran to the back door, see if it was open, and it was. I ran upstairs, and then I was greeted with smoke. I ran back downstairs. By that time, the ladder truck was pulling up. And ironically, being my, one of my, ex, my old co-workers took the ladder off the off the truck, raised it up, and was assisting people down. My man just started throwing babies out the window. Wow. We was catching them, unlike Aguilar. <laughs> if you missed it. Was assisting people down. My man just started throwing babies out the window. Wow. We was catching them, unlike Aguilar. <laughs> Dude, Philly fans have no chill. Such a Philadelphia response. We was catching them, unlike Aguilar. <laughs> So what? How does Aguilar respond, Eric? You know, he was a really good sport. Good dude. I mean, some people could hear something like that, be frustrated by their game, and just be sour about it. <laughs> but no, he's a good-hearted, good sport. Uh, wanted to recognize these guys for the good things that they did. I mean, they saved people. They saved lives. Sport. I mean, the the football game is just a sport, right? It's just yes. entertainment. It yes. doesn't really. Matter your life or death. These guys were doing like life or death stuff, saving people's lives. So uh, he goes to Twitter and says, uh, congratulates them for their good work and invites them to a game. And uh, for him and his family. Yeah. I want to get you tickets. You guys did great, did something great uh, in your community. I want to help you out. My email address is hashtag I don't care. No, that wasn't his hash. That was not his email address. You can email him <laughs> if you want. <laughs> uh, oh, some man. great 
say what segments from the weekend. Uh, speaking of which, later on, we will have, uh, and I'm sure if, if you've been hiding underneath a rock and you have a Twitter account, then, I mean, you haven't seen it, but Shaq uh, sat down and was in an interview, and they asked him about Mark Matson. Well, I guess they asked about, you know, just players around him, and he brought up Mark Matson, who is now the UVU coach, former Laker assistant, former Laker player. Shaq had absolutely high praise things to say about him, and it talked about his experience being around him. And it, it will amaze you uh, what he said. Just his the way he treated Mark compared to the other guys and the way he protected him and why he protected him from everybody else. And that will be all be coming up here uh, later in the hour. Eric France and Audrey Salveson here on the Full Court Press. Aggies uh, 1-0 in conference play, 2-1 overall. Uh, after they beat San Diego State twenty three seventeen, wait, we were watching highly questionable. John Russell texted you or called you and said, "Hey, you got to turn on the TV. You got to check out this highly questionable thing. They're going to talk about, of course, Ryan Agnew uh, and what they call the backward special." <laughs> that ending of that game was so bizarre. Just why, dude? Every time I watch it, just we seemed- were laughing about this yesterday. Oh, we played the clip. Uh, Nick Henninger, he was on the pursuit. Uh, he weighed in on it. And uh, it, it got national attention again this afternoon. <laughs> and it's good stuff. You know what? I still need to look up the. Uh, we called it Ryan Agno. <laughs> <laughs> we still need to look up the clip of where uh, I need to listen to the play-by-play of that. Have you heard it yet? The play-by-play of that uh, of that play uh, uh, for for TV. Yeah, I haven't. I got to listen. to Yeah, that. it was fu- it was good. Was it good? It was good. I uh, I need to look at that and just. I mean, just watching him just take a dead sprint, thirty-five yards backward, and watching two guys chase after him. Was well, it's because like he makes ever. a move. He thinks he makes a move to shake a guy, and then he turns on the other side and sees two other Aggies chasing him <laughs> down. So he starts running to get rid of that guy. And he turns, and there's still another. It's just it got worse. It got progressively worse for Ryan Agnew. Oh my gosh, that was so. That was so good. I, um. <laughs> Just him taking a desperate backwards is the best. And I, I really like wondering what he was trying to. Like, what was the point, man? You weren't going to get anywhere. <laughs> I just. I, I, well, I, and then he just drops the ball onto the ground. Like, uh, I'm done. <laughs> it's like it's either an intentional grounding or a fumble at the goal line. Worked out of 10. Four man rush. Look, it is great pursuit, and it is great hustle, but what the crap was the quarterback doing, man? Like, just throw it up in the air. Just, like, make, I mean, it's better than you flicking it two yards at your own one. You throw it up and just hope that someone makes a catch. You, I mean, give somebody a chance. Well, where just, was his help? Oh, that's I mean, a, everybody yeah. was running in the same direction. Hey, here's there was, the, you there know wasn't a, a running back or a wide receiver yeah, that came back. Yeah, but here's the thing. I would have quit. I would like, you know what, dude? If you're going to do this. game's over. I mean, well, the receiver who ran the ink cut on the near sideline on the San, uh, toward the San Diego State sideline, he stopped at about 10 yards when he saw him running backwards. He threw his hands in the air and just walked towards the sideline. He said, no, nope, we're done. I ain't doing this crap. 
That just amazed it me. It was so fun. Oh, what dude, it was what so a way good. to end the game. Yeah. And, and, and those those last couple of minutes were, if I was a San Diego State fan, I would be bald. I would be yeah. bald because yeah. I would have been pulling my hair out yeah. over the last two and a half, three minutes of game clock. Mm-hmm. And that there weren't timeouts that were called that were there to use to stop the clock. Yeah. And then that uh, that last series, and what was Ryan Agnew thinking? <laughs> uh, speaking on the win, to beat San Diego State, uh, he went into the locker room, and someone had said, and because he thought, hey, when's the last time we beat Utah State? Someone had an answer for him. Listen to this. I mean, that's awesome to do. I I don't remember who it was in the locker room. That was it, Cato, I think. Cato, he said, he said, man. It feels like we haven't beat these guys since Nam. I was like, "Hold up, when was that? <laughs> you beat them? I think it was." <laughs> so I mean, it was awesome for the program to get that win. You know, what I mean, be able to stop them in the run. What they pride themselves in being tough guys at. So that was awesome. It was awesome to come back because that would have been a, a long bus ride. Because we got here, I got home at six thirty in the morning. The sun was about to start coming over the mountains. I was like. Jeez, that would have really sucked to come home with a loss. <laughs> but it was fun. It was good. So I was on the charter for that plane. We were coming home. And uh, from what I had been told, Coach Anderson had told his players, said, look, this is the schedule. We are, like, we're getting home about 6, 6.30 a.m. Don't lose this ball game because it's going to be a long trip home and you'd rather have it be happy. And they took it to heart. I mean, they're up 23-3 going into the fourth and somehow things just started going haywire, but to win that game, and it was, it, dude, it was that trip to Ontario, California. We get to Ontario, California. The pilot doesn't show up. So we had to wait for a pilot to get there. What? Yeah. And so we were there for an hour at this airport waiting for a pilot so we could get on and get going. And finally, we finally were able to get on, and it was like, I think it was 3.30 when we flew out. Maybe yeah, three or three thirty a.m. when we flew out, and then we landed. You could see the sun peeking over the mountains, and you thought, "Oh my gosh!" And some had like Coach Frank Male uh, and, and another assistant. They actually had a farewell to go to at nine thirty a.m. in Salt Lake, so they got home, drove to Salt Lake, and went to a farewell. Oh my gosh! I mean, dude, it was a brutal trip. Brutal. Home. Thank goodness we won. I'm, I, I cannot tell you that enough because those those uh, those trips can be very long. Yeah, great win for Utah State. Um, there are key, a lot of key contributors in that win. And despite the adversity, despite some things that didn't go right for USU, they still found ways to do enough to get the victory. Uh, so give a lot of credit to the defense and the defensive scheme. Give a lot of credit to that offensive line for withstanding the pressure coming from San Diego State. And I give a lot of pressure to, or a lot of credit to Jordan Love for his calm demeanor in the pocket even when things went bad with some shaky snap exchanges to still make something of it or at least not have something catastrophic happen against Utah State which easily could have happened that's a great point for how I think there was three three bad snaps four 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 four. mishandled snaps and not one of them are lost that's amazing to me that is pure luck I think there's I say pure luck on that regard yeah, I and, mean, there were some that he had to recover it and just go down on it. Just fall on it. Uh, and, but there was no loss of yards yeah. on any of those. Yeah. Uh, but on two of them, he was able to get the, a throw off 
And like we said, one of them, one of them almost a, was an explosive play. <laughs> so oh, incredible yeah, what amazing. he was able to do. It just, you know, and it's one of those things where like, you know, any other year that probably goes, that probably goes, doesn't, that probably doesn't go our way. No. You no. know, it ends up being a return for a touchdown or we just, it's just I, the, here we go again. The bad breaks at, at like, Wyoming, the bad breaks at San Diego State, it just comes up alive. And luckily, uh, the thing that I will avoid that. The thing that I'm cautious about is that people, especially players and coaches, don't get ahead of themselves because when Utah State over the last 10 years or so has had moments like this, it's when you finally break through, what happens the following week is has not been good. When Utah State broke through and beat Fresno State in Logan, when Fresno State was a top 25 team and a great program, Utah State, after that game, continued to struggle and really didn't see much success after that. When Utah State beat Boise State in Logan, demolished them, dismantled them, a lot of excitement that, hey, this is going to be a special season. This is going to be a great year for the Aggies. Um, Who's next? But celebrating it a little bit too much, not being enough focused for San Diego State, Aggies go out there and get humbled 48-14. to Yeah. So... It, they got through. They were able to put this game that's been hard to get. Get they put it past them now. How would they turn their attention now to Colorado State, yeah. who doesn't have a great record, but this is that's a team scoring so about thirty-three points a game that still has some explosive ability, and they've been they've been in a lot of games just in the fourth quarter have had a hard time finishing some of these games, but they've been in almost every game they've played. So. Uh, you don't want to overlook Colorado State coming into this weekend. Yeah, putting blinders and uh, angling them straight ahead, right? I mean, Colorado State, like you said, they haven't had a great record, but that's what scares you the most is that they come in, nothing to lose. Look, if they lose, they lose, but they're coming in with everything to gain if they can get a win, and that's that's what can scare you the most. And again, they're looking for revenge after last year's debacle loss at home to Utah State on a Hail Mary that was caught, but they nullified because of Preston Williams stepping out of bounds and then coming back in to play and making the catch. Uh, really quickly, I've got some questions from people about Andy Koch. I'm going to say Andy Koch uh, and the injury. Now, I didn't I didn't see a replay of it in the, from the press box. Uh, the many who I've talked to after I've said they've seen a replay and it looked gruesome. They're asking for an update. Coach Anderson didn't really have one. In fact, here's his answer on Andy. I don't know that for sure. You know, that's, uh, you know, Mike and everybody's going to be working with it. He'll work his tail off to get himself back. So we'll, uh, we'll see what, what takes place with that. And, you know, he's, uh, he'll do his part. He's a big part of, you know, the duties that he has past what uh, all the other things he does for us. He's a big part of this football team. Man, I don't see. I saw it happen and I saw a replay on television. I don't know that it was necessarily gruesome. It just looked like he's, he's backing up, he's moving his feet back. There's a defensive lineman you know, coming after him. And just the way that he's pushing back on it, his, his knee just, his leg just kind of buckles. It just comes underneath him like it loses its strength. And so then he just falls over. It was a non-contact injury. And sometimes those are scary. Those aren't, those are usually, uh, I don't want to speculate too much, but those, those sometimes take longer to recover yeah, from. Be extend, extended injuries, yeah. Right. So it, it, I wasn't sure if it was like kind of a hyperextension at the time or just a, a, a twist, um, but they haven't been uh, 
said anything definitively. No. And if uh, it, usually the case has been if it's season ending, then they'll say something about it. If it's not, then they keep kind of quiet about it. Yeah. And so we'll have to wait and hear. Uh, I'm sure uh, Mike Williams and, and, and the training crew are looking to, to see what best uh, what best will be for, for Andy. But in regards of Andy going out, they bring someone else in. They make some, you know, they did. They just kind of put the guys who are next man up behind them and they come onto the field. And yet Jordan Love doesn't have to take a sack the whole entire night. And uh, Coach Anderson was very, very high praise on his offensive line. Yeah, those kids are, you know, their goal is – to be, you know, eight or nine strong for sure as we go through there. And um, there's there's young men there that play multiple positions. Um, they know when their number's called, they've got to hop up and go. And, you know, and it's great to see that. It's it's not just five starters on the offensive line. It's much like the defensive line. You know, they don't rotate as much as the offensive line as we do on the defensive line. But I really think those kids see themselves as, you know, eight starters that can go in there and compete and play at any level. And we've seen that in three games already. And um, I'm sure with the just the sheer nature of football, uh, You'll continue to have some of those scenarios and those situations, and that's just that 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 starts with you know Coach Woods um, helping those kids understand that we're all in this together. There's not a selfish mentality in that room at all. And when it's their turn, they've uh, obviously hopped in there and, and done a nice job. So it's it's just great to see a team that you know fights and battles that way. Um, when it's good and when it's bad, they fight that way. And there's not a bunch of you know again woe is me or finger pointing or you know putting their head down. They grind and they're looking to get better. And that's from a, from a young group to see that that maturity and them personally is uh you know potentially really really special for future um this year and for many years to come i love what you said last week eric about or not last week yesterday how much that redshirt role can come into play and be so helpful a lot of kids last year got a ton of playing experience because of the margin of victory um, because of the blowouts, that he's able to get these young kids in, and that came into to fruition, you know, uh, against San Diego State at a much needed time, and they continue to perform at a high level. Yeah, that offensive line was one of the biggest, if not the biggest, question mark coming into the 2019 season for USU. Uh, one returning starter, a lot of new faces, explosive offense, historic. I mean, the last season. Um, being able to have a good set of running backs behind them, how would they do protecting Jordan Love? How would they do in creating run running gaps? Uh, what would this unit look like? So far in the season, they've looked really, really good. Sure, Jordan sure. Love has has had to scramble a little bit at times here and there, but by and large, he's been protected really well. And um, the the run game has been pretty solid for Utah State so far this year. So, and even after Koch got hurt uh, and went out, there really wasn't a drop off. No, on Saturday night, no. where all of a sudden they're getting blown up on that side of the uh, of the line. That Utah State offensive line has done a really really nice job coming together. Credit T.J. Woods for making that happen. Coming up next, we'll get more from Gary Anderson based on the Mountain West success. I know we talked about it yesterday. We're going to replay it again, though. The Mountain West Conference has been on a roll in the first four weeks of the season, and Gary Anderson uh, was very complimentary of the Mountain West Conference but also said, now it's time to see who's for real. We'll also have uh, more coming up from uh, Nick Henninger and his journey to Utah State. It's, it's uh, boy, let's just say if you hate school, uh, then you're going to feel really sorry for Nick Henninger. Uh, and then also from uh, Cioso Mariner, his journey to Utah State. We played that yesterday. We want to replay it for you guys today. Really, really cool story. Al asked some great questions leading into it. 
uh, that kind of got him to actually talk about it a little bit more and open up about it, something that he actually hadn't done before. So it's uh, some good answers. So we'll get into that more. It's Eric Franson. I'm Odd J. Salveson. This is the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. We was catching him. Unlike Aguilar. My email address is hashtag I don't care. Sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and LJ Salveson, 432, your time, Mountain Time. Dude, what are you? What is your problem today? What? You old twelve-year-old, like babysitting you over there? What? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. What's what's the problem, Aj? You mean the problem? Yes, it is Mountain Time. <laughs> mountain West Time. <laughs> oh, Coming up Saturday. Oh, you tried really hard on that one, didn't you? I'm. T- I don't. It's awkward where you're going, so I thought I'd oh, try to move it. us no, along. Oh, stop it! No, it wasn't that awkward. Uh, There's been a really cool connection with Utah State and uh, transfers from the University of Utah this season. The guys that are coming from the Utes have instantly been big contributors for Utah State. CLC Mariner has become the favored target of Jordan Love. Nick Henninger has been impactful on the defensive line. Caleb Rep has been a solid go-to target at tight end. All three of them were at the University of Utah last year. And when to talk to any of them, they all say, all of them, they say they love Coach Anderson and they wanted to play with Coach Anderson. Uh, Nick Henninger talked a little bit more about this in, in a little bit greater detail. I spoke with Caleb Rep earlier in the year and uh, he, he just said he... Nothing against his old team at Utah, but he just he wanted to go play for Coach A. Are you surprised by really quickly before I play these clips? Let's start with Caleb Rep. I mean, Kyle Whittingham's got something going on over there. But are you at all surprised to hear that? To hear, oh yeah, you know, it's I like it. I was less surprised to hear about the offensive guys wanting to make a move. Because every year it's something different at offense there. Every year, it's a different philosophy, and every year, it's not. Uh, it's less of an emphasis than the defense is. So, Fair. if I'm an offensive guy, year to year, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know if my position and my role will be the same next year, because it's going to be a new coordinator, and he might have a different philosophy about how to use my position. Ooh, that's a good point. I like that. All right, so let's get into this. Let's, uh, as I am, so I want to load up also Mariners too. Here's his, and we played this yesterday, I understand that, but I, him and Nick Henniger both have really great stories. Uh, Mariners is credit to Al Lewis. Al actually kind of asked him a couple of things, and he, you know, he kind of leaned into it, wasn't sure. And then uh, Al asked another question, and he just let the floodgates open on the story. Um, and so credit to Al Lewis for this one. But here is uh, Kayla, or it's not Kayla Rip. C.O.C. Mariner on his journey to Utah State. Just um, hard from the point, you know, um, you get used to guys in the locker room. You know, I went there for four years, and you know, I established a great relationship with coaches and players. And uh, that was the hardest part of it all, just like kind of not necessarily leaving that behind, but, you know, moving on from it. And, like, um, 
you know, I knew some coaches here and I knew some players here, but, you know, kind of going to a completely different locker room. That was, was the biggest transition. But, you know, the guys and coaches here, you know, it's not too much of a difference. Real good guys, great coaches. And um, it has made the um, transition way smoother. And um, that's why kind of why I came to Utah State because the transition would be easier for me. What went into that? And, and how does that work for you? I mean, how quick did you make that decision after Utah? Um, who did you talk to? What was the process like for you? If you can go into detail for us. Um, so um, upon my um, leaving from Utah, you know, um, I got in the portal. kind of did everything the compliance told me to do. Um, I had to graduate. I had to finish a couple classes before um, I graduated. I graduated that May. And um, Coach A and Utah State got me pretty fast. And um, also Coach Aaron Roderick and um, BYU got me pretty fast. And um, I knew I knew um, both coaches from both those schools. You know, during my time in Utah, you know, I spent a lot of time with them, and um, that was really a big factor. Like, I didn't want to have to get like recruited all over again, going to like, you know, just meet new coaches, meet a whole new players, just because um, with these two coaches, I knew what I was getting myself into. Like, I knew them, I knew they had my best interest, and like, um, they knew what I wanted to do, and I knew what they wanted to do. So um, it came out of those two schools, and um, like I said, Coach A's the easy guy to love, and um, it would be like a shame if I didn't follow him here. So, um, you know, we got right away with it, and then Caleb kind of made the decision before I did, and I made a little bit after him, and um, since then I kind of just knew it was the right fit for me. So did you two talk to each other as you were going through that process? Me and, oh. me and Caleb. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, um, me and Caleb, we came into Utah together. So we spent like four years together. So, you know, we were pretty close, and um, – when I was transferring, I found out he was transferring too, and then um, he kind of told each other the kind of schools we had, and we both had BYU and Utah State. But he, you know, he wasn't too interested in BYU like I was. Um, but uh, yeah, we definitely talked about it, and um, I knew he was real comfortable being here, and like he got on it pretty fast. Like he didn't want to take any other officials and things like that, so like he was Aggie all the way, and then. Um, I was kind of like, you know, I, I know the coach staff here, and uh, it'd be good to go with somebody I've been with for the past four years. So we definitely talked about it, and like, kind of came with a decision amongst each other. How impressive is that? Did you stop that? That was impressive. I love hearing that they <laughs> they were talking to each other and communicating with each other. What is wrong with you over there? Yeah, no. How it, one started the conversation. <laughs> Sorry, I'll stop. I one started the conversation. I knew he wanted to transfer, and the other one did too. And they started looking at their options. And interesting that Chelsea Mariner was at first leaning towards going to BYU. Yeah, how about that? Because of uh, Ed Lamb, right? That's right. Is that what he was saying? And Roderick. And Ro Roderick. Sorry, not uh, Aaron Roderick. And then uh, decided, you know what? Caleb Rep, he's decided he's going to go to Utah State. That's where he wants to go. And, and Coach A is going there. I know Caleb. I'll go there. I'll go to Utah State. Turned out to be a great combination so far. Huge he's step. having as good a year this year as he's had his entire career at Utah. Mm. Mm. I like him. Uh, and then for Nick Henniger, uh, his journey was more complicated because it was all based on getting his school stuff done. He was at Utah in the spring semester and was just, I mean, and had the thought and the notion that he wanted to leave. And he really said to get some schooling done. And then just schooling took over his life and chaos ensued. So I actually 
in all, I finished 58 credits in two semesters to get here. So that spring semester, I was still with the team at Utah, and then my first set of tests and quizzes came along, and I was in 21 credits at this point, and I did pretty poorly on it, and I was like, ah, crap, I got to tell them I can't do... Because I was planning on transferring, obviously, because I was loading up my classes. But I wasn't like, okay, I'm doing it yet, until I really bombed those first few quizzes. And uh, I told them that I wanted to leave, and then had another 21 credits in the summer. And really, it was manageable without football. The structured practices, I was obviously doing my own things, but uh, the finals week is where it was killing me. Because I remember I had nine different like quizzes or final papers or I mean tests or final papers I had to do in that last week and I'm trying to get my stuff ready to move up here trying to get everything it was it was not easy but it is definitely worth it I love Utah State I love Logan I love everything about this team this is definitely where I need to be took a lot to get here took a lot of sacrifice and I feel like it was all worth it to get here was Utah State always the team you wanted to come to? Uh, coach Anderson is the coach I want to play for big time. And I feel like having Coach N as the defense coordinator, having all the defensive guys come up, Coach Hicks, and we've got uh, Bo in the equipment room. The transition from that perspective was really nice. I wouldn't say it's easy. It's not easy, but it's still very familiar. The workout's familiar. They're like... A lot of what Utah used to do, but it is—it's very different in the same way. You know, it's similar, but it's very different. I like, and I like the changes, and I like the way we have it here. Was Utah State the place that you always wanted to come to? Coach Anderson was the coach I always wanted to play for. That speaks volumes about Coach Anderson. Volumes. Um, now, I'm going to – I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this. I might, but I hope I don't. You know, when when Coach Wells left for Texas Tech and, and there was the pretty sure thought that Coach Anderson was going to be the next head coach, I went to a couple of people who had dealt with Coach Anderson before because, you know, I'll you know, I'd be working closely with Utah State football. I wanted to know what Coach Anderson was going to be like, and they all said, he's the most outgoing, friendly person you'll ever meet. Ever. I mean, he is always, you know, he's so friendly with you. And, and so, you know, he's happy to see you. And he's very, you know, vibrant. And his energy just is contagious. I, I was so excited about it. First time I met Coach Anderson, uh, I, I remember I was like, hey, Coach. He goes, hi. Just walks right by me. And then uh, we uh, I, had, I had another thing I had to do. And I, I saw him again. I stuck out my hand. And, you know, he, he briefly shook it and talk to somebody else or whatever, and I was like, this guy's not friendly at all. What are you talking about? You know? Uh, and, and you see him, and, and still to this day when I see him, it's it's really, really, really brief, like, greeting. Really brief interaction. It isn't like, hey, how are you? You know, how's everything going? It's good to see you. What, what, just anything like that. It's, it's, it's really brief. And I wasn't really, um, I wasn't ready for that. So when I went to a couple of people who I had spoken to already before about him, and I went and kind of returned reporting and said, hey, like this, this isn't true. I don't know where you guys, you know, what happened, but, and they said, look, he's more guarded now. What happened at Wisconsin and what happened at Oregon State, man? That, 
that kind of that got to him, and, and as it would any other human being, what he went through. Now, some of that could be you, you could say was on his own merit because he did make some mistakes. But the other hand of it is, you know, man, he got crucified. That was he. I, I would say he got crucified at the Oregon State, but man, he he it, took it, he took a beating at Wisconsin too. That wasn't alone. Yeah, but it got most ugly in his exit from Oregon State. Oregon State. Uh, but what this, what we are, and I think what you're trying to get to here is he may be a little more guarded in public than he used to be, but it's clear that the players love this guy, mm-hmm. and the players love to play hard for this guy. Uh, and uh, my my sense of it is, look, he's coming into a situation. He wants to make sure he's doing it right. Um, he's he's blessed with a second chance to come back to some place. Not that he left it bad, not at all. No, but he wants to make sure that it, there were some questions about whether they should hire him, whether he should get a head coaching job again. Second chance, yeah. And Third I chance, think really. that I, I think that the um, my sense of interacting with him is that look, he just he wants to make sure he's dialed in and focused and gets this thing going. And continuing on in a good direction. Because last year was a great year for Utah State. He doesn't want to come in here and mess it up. He wants to keep going and build upon the success and uh, and keep things rolling. And a big part of that is the ability to draw players, talented players from other places who want to come play for Gary Anderson. But it's, qu- it's, it's crazy how quickly they fall in love with him, too. I mean, I, I remember talking to uh, Stephen Scarborough one time and I asked about him and he said, man... He is a player's coach. He is my kind of coach. I love Coach A. And I was like, holy cow. That's that's incredible, man. I mean, I'll, he had never played for Coach Anderson. Then he comes in and he's like, I love Coach Anderson. And he loves the staff. Like these, And these players love the staff, too. They love Justin Enna. They love Mike Sanford. They love, of course, of course Coach Male and Coach Collins and, and Coach Woods. So not only did Gary come in, and present himself as a guy that these players could could fall in love with and be able to relate to and come to, uh, not just a coach but also a father figure for them, but then also bring a staff that can be the exact same way. And that's impressive in itself, too. That really is a, a huge credit um, and a gold star for that coaching staff that they can actually follow suit and be that kind of, you know, that, that kind of staff for these kids who are, you know, who have, again, left universities or coming a long way from home or whatever the situation is. And, and still build such a positive relationship in such a short amount of time. Uh, but, I mean, again, he is guarded, sure, to the public, absolutely. But the, and, and you're right. And I guess the, what I was trying to get to is that he's, man, he's able to get it with the players, though, just just like that, Eric. And it, incredible. That gets me excited about what the recruiting is going to be like for years to come. Because, yes, there are a few players that he has been able to affect to get here to Utah State, but it's a pretty small number in comparison. Um, even with that window when he came into things, the recruitment period and there's coaching changes, and it gets kind of funny. But uh, he's he was able to get uh, some interesting players to come to Utah State. That would Matt Wells have been able to get these guys to transfer here? I don't know. He was able to get a couple other guys from great places to come to Utah State. But uh, this has been an early indication of the type of players who want to come play for Gary Anderson and his coaching staff, not just 
to not just single out Gary, but his entire coaching staff, though he is the ringleader of all of it. Uh, but that that gives me uh, some excitement about what future recruiting classes might look like for USU. <laughs> yeah, and that's the amazing thing is that his recruits come in next, I mean, I guess, I mean, really next year he can actually do some full recruiting where he actually has some time to do it. Where he's had a full recruiting season. Yeah. Yep. That's incredible. That's amazing to me. Uh, all right, coming back. Uh, the oh, we got to do our stat and player, don't we? Yep. Never mind. Okay. Well, then I won't talk. I'll talk about this in a second. You hold hour. it over to the next hour. Okay. Well, that's what I was just about to say. Thanks, AJ. You're welcome. My hashtag is email. Wait, what is it? My email is hashtag. Stop doing that. What is your problem? Grow up, Eric. God. I'm just here to help. Grow up, Grimes. It's Eric France and it's Morgan Grimes. Uh, it's you listen to the Full Court Press. Mountain time. <laughs> the Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. Stop to catch my breath and I Stop to catch your 4.52, Eric France and AJ Salazin. It's the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Uh, we need to get to our stat and player. Oh, I have another break i got to spend, too. I should have combined that. That probably would have been smart. I'll give you my stat while you try to finagle the log there. A uh, stat that blew my mind is uh, Patrick Mahomes. He's been doing amazing things in the NFL. Uh, he has, to some degree, transcended the sport a little bit. Uh, he's kind of like Michael Jordan was to the NBA. Some people oh, have said no. Some people have said that's... he's like Wayne Gretzky was to NHL. Uh, wow. Just an electric player that's getting a lot of attention for what he's doing on the field and it's uh, introducing a lot of new people to the sport. Good heck. Anyway, and maybe also because he's uh, my starting quarterback on my fantasy football team. What? But uh, Patrick Mahomes, he is the only player over the past 40 years with 200 yards and two passing touchdowns in the first half in each of his team's first three games of a season. <laughs> Nobody has done that in the last 40 years. And what's also crazy is that they've been scoreless in the first quarter with the last couple of games. Last year, they scored in every first quarter. So they're not doing all of what all of this that is happening is in the second quarter, by and large, for Kansas City, and it's because of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, my player of the week, and this sounds lazy, but it's, I mean, it's honest, dead to truth. Jack Bond had, I mean, serious knee injury and having a pick six in that same day last season. Turns around, comes back, and what does he do? Gets another pick six in a conference game, and then returns. <laughs> it's just incredible. Like, that guy continues to find himself in the right spots. Coach Anderson was so complimentary of the defensive backfield on Saturday night mm. about how well yes. they tackled. Shaq Bond was a huge, huge, huge part of that. There was a couple of times where guys probably should have got loose, and he was able to shoestring tackle them and wrap them up. I was I was impressed with Shaq Bond on Saturday night. Now, he's also my player of the week. Uh, the, the pick six, the eight tackles, one and a half tackles for loss, uh, a pass defended. In uh, that pick six came at a really critical time. That game... Was there was a lot of uncertainty, and that gave Utah State a big uh, boost and big momentum swing. And uh, Utah State didn't look back after that. 
and was able to hold on and maintain their lead. Uh, but they were able to build off of that and have that 23-3 to lead going into the fourth quarter. So Shaq Bond with his performance, a lot of different guys you could look to, but he was the one that stood out to me as my player of the week. Uh, my stat that blew my mind, check this out. Bills, Chiefs, Cowboys, Patriots, uh, Packers, Patriots, Rams, and Niners are all 3-0. The Lions are 2-0-1. It's just the second time in NFL history, eight teams were unbeaten through three game, or three team games, first since 1998. I'm what? trying to remember who was unbeaten in 1998. Wow. That's incredible. That's interesting. I, I got to many- find out who was unbeaten through in because I know the Broncos were one of them. I can't remember the others, though. Will that same eight be undefeated after this next weekend? No. 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 I have to look at the schedule, but yeah, I, I doubt it. I'll have to it. look at it. I doubt it. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break. We're actually going to uh, take this break, and we're going to lead it into our uh, top of the hour news as well. Uh, and then we'll uh, come back. You're ever going to take off for practice? Yeah, I'll give you a, a practice report after I get up there at practice. going to talk to a couple players and uh, give you an idea of what's happening up at the stadium. All coming up on the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, and Jay Salveson.